0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Come with tackle,
3: you take the defensive he's over the attack. Drive down the first man who is inside. You pull back and get him. Make the
2: first man outside the offense. No one goes. You're right
3: by them and seal inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he comes inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. So look at this play. we'll are trying to get him a seal here and a seal here, and try to run this play in each alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside the great Paul Brettel this evening. Going to talk a little Packers-Lions matchup. And, uh, Paul, the chat's already lit up here this evening. We actually had a super chat come in right as we went live. Josh (laughs) Martin said, Eagles, Niners, Cowboys are all Packer fans tomorrow, man. It's kind of cool to see that playoff picture coming into focus, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm happy to be joining you as always, Clayton. And, uh, you know, coming off that that big win on Sunday against the Chargers, man, the reality of what is the NFL just punched all Packer fans in the face when we saw that then Monday injury injury report getting ready for this Lions game. So not only is it a difficult matchup that the Packers have to prepare for, but just the 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 players that they're going to
3: be without as well. Yeah, it's going to be intense for sure. Um. Paul, I don't know where to start with the injury report, so I'm just going to put it all on you, buddy. I'm going to say, cipher through, to filter through this mess for us and, and let us know what you think may be the, the, uh, the best case scenario, maybe the most uh, realistic expectation, do you think?
0: Yeah, so like we had mentioned pre-show, uh, at least with the Thursday game, we have final injury designations. If this was a typical Thursday show for a Sunday game, we would just be sitting in a in a whole world of unknown at this time. So at least we have a little more clarity, I suppose we got that going for us right now. But as everyone knows, Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage are out. Uh, It did seem like there was potentially the opportunity for Savage to be available. But I think once the, uh, transactions came through today, as far as who was elevated, uh, who they added to the 53 man roster and the fact that Savage wasn't move from IR to the 53-man roster at that point, I think that was kind of our tell that he was going to need another week to ramp up, which again, that's not, you know, that would be the norm. I would have been very surprised had he been available for this game. He just returned to practice on Monday and I, I don't even think they had any true practices this week. Everything was walkthrough, through given the short week that they were on. So, and obviously Aaron Jones, MCL sprain avoided major injury, so that's that's obviously great news. So hopefully he'll be back. Matt Lafleur said they don't plan on putting him on IR. So, but by that math, should be three games or even fewer that he's going to miss before he's back on the field. So good news there. Josiah DeGuar is doubtful. Uh, Packers elevated Henry Pearson, fullback, from the practice squad for tomorrow's game. You know Henry Pearson has the ability and uh, his skill set to be utilized in a similar role as Josiah DeGora. And DeGora's snaps over the last couple games, three, four games, have really dwindled. You know, as Tucker Craft has emerged into that tight end two uh, position, Ben Sims is still seeing some snaps here and there. Degora's has pretty much been used just as a fullback in, in many instances. And Again, if needed, Pearson can give them some snaps in that regard. I thought over the summer, uh, he he showed pretty well in the passing game. I thought he held up well as a blocker. He's from Appalachian States where he went to school. He was a tight end. So, you know, if he needs to line up in line or anything like that, like that's not going to be foreign to him. But again, I think at most we maybe see him for a handful of snaps out of the backfield as a fullback. But his primary responsibility is going to come on special teams throughout the training camp practices, preseason, like he was with different phases, several different phases. He was playing with the starters, uh, again, in a few of those practices, some of those preseason games on special teams. So I think that's where we'll see the biggest impact from him. Questionable, Jair Alexander, uh, Devondre Campbell. Good news, as you can see on the screen there, uh, Devondre was a full participant in Wednesday's practice, and typically that's a pretty good sign that he's going to be on the field. Rudy Ford. Uh, questionable as well, was a limited participant in all three practices. Trying to read the tea leaves here. So the Packers uh, obviously let go of down Levitt. They elevated Benny Sapp. Gives them four safeties. Over the last, uh, I think, three games now, since Zane Anderson's been back in the mix, they've had five safeties active on game day. So if that continues to hold true, I think signs could point to Rudy Ford being available in this game. And that's going to be, you know, for both him and Jair Alexander, having them available on the back end is going to be massive because, and I'll get to it here when we dive into the defensive side of the ball more, but if the Packers are actually going to commit to stopping the run more, doing so means you're going to leave your cornerbacks, you know, more one-on-one matchups on a bit more of an Island. And so obviously if you can have Jair back, if you can have Rudy Ford on that back end, that's obviously going to help things. And then AJ Dillon, I just saw a report from Jordan Schultz said that he's good to go or shouldn't say that, excuse me. He's expected to play (laughs) in Thursday's game. Don't want to get ahead of myself there, but, but um, I think that was kind of always the expectation, even seeing him listed as questionable. I just found it so hard to believe that given the transactions that they had made earlier in the day, that if there was really the possibility that they're going to be without AJ Dillon, they were going to go into this game with only Patrick Taylor and James Robinson available. Like for one, in part it's a product of the situation they're in with injuries at the running back position, but both those guys, I mean, James Robinson wasn't on a team. The Packers released him and then brought him back onto the practice squad for this week. And then Patrick Taylor was on the Patriots. So just from that standpoint, uh, again, didn't seem like that that's who they're going to go into the game with. And then having only two running backs available, I mean, teams aren't going to do that in today's NFL. So always felt like Dylan was going to be out there. And then Dontavian Wicks, it's the question mark. that he That's was a limited problem. participant today, which I was shocked by. I I had yeah. fully counted him out. It was, there was an article I wrote this morning where I didn't say he wasn't going to play, but I implied it pretty hard because, again, short week, concussion protocol. And he's still in it. I think, you know, this isn't – everyone responds to those those concussions and those specific injuries differently. You know, I think there was a – wasn't there a game in 2019 or 2020 where Devontae Adams was in concussion protocol? And then it was a short week and then he was back out there on Thursday. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but again, everyone responds to it differently. I think the fact that he was at least marked as a limited participant in what today's walkthrough was is obviously a step in the right direction. You know, Quay Walker was in concussion protocol earlier in the season. He had the full week to get ready, but in the final practice for sure, and maybe even the last two, um, he was a limited participant. So it shows he's on the right track. But he's still in that protocol right now, so not a given that he's going to be able to get out there. But, man, the, the catalyst beyond Jordan Love for this offense has been Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks, and Jaden Reed. And as of yes, Tuesday afternoon, we're seeing all of them on the injury report. You know, just when it finally feels like things are getting going. And we know they're going to be without Luke Musgrave. And let's just take a pat, let's just go down that tangent for a little bit. Played 16 snaps with a lacerated kidney. Didn't tell anyone about it.
3: <laughs> Absolutely I mean, unbelievable, man.
0: Uh, what the Broncos game where he had the ankle injury? I mean, Matt Lafleur that whole week talked about how tough he was. Lafleur said yesterday that after the Broncos game, he looked Lafleur in the eye and said, "I'm playing next week." And Matt kind of gave him the okay, we'll, <laughs> sure, we'll see how the week progresses. And then sure enough, he he was out there that following week. So uh LaFleur talked about it, Stenovich talked about it, just his his football toughness. Like Luke Musgrave this season is personifying like what you think of when you think of a football player and just the toughness and pushing through, you know, playing with that lacerated kidney for 16 snaps, caught an additional pass, was making asked to make blocks while dealing with that injury. And then LeFleur said it was afterwards, he went up to the training staff and just kind of said, yeah, I'm not feeling great right now. And then floor said he even had to go to the hospital to get that checked out. So, uh, and as we know, he's been placed on IR, but I mean, kind of a remarkable story, the fact that he just kept it to himself and fought his way through that, but opportunity ahead for Tucker craft uh, with, you know, Musgrave out for this game and now on, now on injured reserve.
3: Yeah, it was wild seeing that list hit, and uh, everyone reacted pretty much the same way. It was like, what in the world is going on? We've actually got a super chat here, Paul, from uh, United Bates. He said, have we just been unlucky with injuries, and or is our medical staff more conservative than some? How how do you see that? Because, you know, Paul, we talk about on here all the time, you know, it, you can go to any fan base, and I would say, I would say 90% of the fan bases across the NFL – would feel exactly the same way we feel. And they probably have a quarter of the injuries, right? It just seems Mm -hmm. like whatever team you're watching closest, you feel like, man, it just, we're always dealing with injuries. That's the NFL, of course. But do you think there's anything to that whole medical staff being more conservative than other medical staffs? How do you feel about that?
0: I think that traditionally I would put the Packers closer to that end of things in terms of being more conservative about how they handle injuries and um, you know, giving players additional time to make sure that they're fully ready to go. I mean, Matt LaFleur's talked about that. I think he talked about it as early as this season with Christian Watson when he was dealing with the hamstring injury. And I think Aaron Jones as well, when that was first kind of unfolding in those first few weeks, he said, look, we would rather just wait it out initially and know that they're good to go rather than there being the potential of back and forth, back for a game or two, and then back injured again, and then playing that game. So but I think if, as we look back, kind of through the Packers, you know, recent history of five, ten, even fifteen years, I think that they do tend to lean more on that conservative side of things. But to your point, and I'm not in, in tune with too many other injuries going on around on around the NFL. I don't know where the Packers stand from a, that standpoint of things. But Matt Lafleur has said on a several occasions this season when it comes to the youth and inexperience on this team. Nobody cares. The opponent does not care. When it comes to the injuries that you're dealing with that the Packers are dealing with, nobody cares. That's been that's been his message message this season.
3: Definitely. Definitely. United Bates, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Mike Hebring here, been a member of the the YouTube uh, uh group PTA Posse here, said uh what percentage of carries will Patrick Taylor get tomorrow? And and let's just kind of blend that all into the offensive uh topic here. Paul, what do you think uh what are you kind of expecting from the Packers tomorrow? Um, first of all, Thanksgiving football, it doesn't get any better. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely awesome. And, and I'm assuming you're not traveling, right? You're not not—you're uh, going to no, stay no. home and all that. So that's great. You get to stay home, watch it with family. Um, what do you think the offensive uh, approach will be for the Packers with all these injuries and kind of filtering through everything you just covered in the injury report? I'm just wondering, are they going to lean more on 12 personnel? Is it going to be 11 personnel? I think a lot of that will come down to Jaden Reed and Tay Wicks, obviously, um, being healthy and being 100%. And uh, with Patrick Taylor kind of uh, re-emerging here, like Mike asks, what do you think the percentage of snaps uh, or carries, I I should say, that Patrick Taylor may get?
0: I think Taylor's going to be the third down back. I think A.J. Dillon is going to handle the bulk of the workload. uh, Not too different. I know that they didn't have any other options behind him on Sunday in that second half, but... He was out there for the majority of the snaps, and I expect that to be the case this week. Uh, first, second down for sure. I think Patrick Taylor, You know, when we think about where his strengths are, it's as a pass catcher, it's in pass protection. And a lot of times that comes up on third downs when you're asking, you're running back to to handle those responsibilities. So that's where I think he's going to play. I think James Robinson, You know, I don't think he's going to have much of a role, but perhaps if they're looking for maybe a little bit of a change of pace uh, kind of like what the Packers have done with Emmanuel Wilson. I think that there's the potential for that, but I would, I would guess that AJ Dillon's going to handle the bulk of the carries. And then, like I said, third downs are, are to spell him. If he's getting a number in a row or when Patrick Taylor is going to step in as far as the offense as a whole, this game for me is all about the trenches on both sides of the ball. Like that's where it starts. That's where it, That's where it ends in this one. And to your question about eleven personnel, twelve personnel, I go back and forth on that. I'm not really sure. I see I see pros to each. Right. You know, we think about the heavier package to help facilitate the run game because running the ball, for one, it's been a, a struggle this season for the most part for the Packers as is, and now they're going up against a defensive front that's been one of the best in football at defending it, and so having the, having that heavier personnel package. To hopefully help bolster the run game, and as we saw in Week Four when these teams went up against each other, uh, the the weak point, if they're you know so to speak, relatively speaking, of this Lions defense is if you're going to attack it, you want to attack the corners, you want to uh, attack their secondary, not their front seven, and that's what the Packers tried to do in Week Four. I remember everyone was. Uh, and I get it up in arms about the the lack of carries because that was Aaron Jones first game back, I think, since uh, the hamstring injury in week one. But I got what the Packers were trying to do. Like on paper, you're looking at this Lions defense. Where do we want to attack it? We want to attack it through the air. And that's what they tried to do. However, there were penalties. We know the passing game wasn't working nearly as efficiently as it was uh, at this time when they occasionally did try to run the ball early on. It did not go well. So now they're in second and long, third and longs, predictable passing situations. You got Aiden Hutchinson behind you, just teeing off, going from point A to point B to get after the quarterback. Just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So then there's the three and outs, and the Lions were going down in scoring. I still remember this quote from Matt LaFleur. They had 24 points, and we ran 11 plays on offense is what he said in that Monday or would have been Friday press conference after the game. You can't establish the run when there's that <laughs> lack of complimentary football. Right. So to go back to the original point on why you'd want to try to emphasize the run game, because of what we saw in Week Four, is why you would try to do that. And even if you're picking up three yards, four yards, just a, a hard-fought rushing attempt, that at least keeps you even with the sticks. If you can get in second and seven, second and six, you're at least not, you know, you're at least not uh, hurting yourself like we saw so often. Not just in Week Four, but through a large portion of the season. Now, to counter that, why would they want to go to 11 personnel? You know, Jaden Reed's a full participant, or excuse me, he does not have an injury designation for this game. Like, by that measurement, he should be a full go for this game. So their 11 personnel package, even with the injuries that they have, like, it's still formidable. You got Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Tucker Craft, A.J. Dillon. Like, that's not nothing to to sneeze at. And so, again, playing to the strength of your team, and if the run game is going to have issues like – I think it's going to, I think the quick passing game, getting guys in space can be the run game for them, so to speak in this game, you know, wide receiver screens, quick passes to even, again, just pick up three, four, five yards. It's your run game. Put yourself in second and five, second and four situations where the defense is now a little bit on its heels. It has to defend both the run and the pass. You have a little bit of more of the dictating the advantage in your court at that time. So I'm walking the line here. I'm going right down the fence about why each of these reasons makes sense because I can see a reason for both. Ultimately, I think to switch it up, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with a little at least heavier personnel earlier on in the game. Again, just to try to take a different approach because even if the quick passing game's working, like you can't become one-dimensional against this Lions team either. It's just it's it's not going to end well against a lot of teams, but especially this defensive front. And one other thing I want to add, is I talked to Josh Myers on Tuesday. And, you know, I asked him, I said, I know you're not going to give me any sort of trade secrets here about what's going into the game plan or anything, but like what has to be different this time around up front for you guys going against this defense? And you know, his answer it it was simple, but it's true it's the fundamentals. It's the, you know, having your hands in the right position. It's getting off the ball. It's being the aggressor, knowing that you're going up against a super aggressive defense in the run game. It's getting to your landmarks at the right time. It's, it's the little things, you know, at, at this level in professional sports, football, you name it, a lot of times these corrections, it's just going back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, and not to say that all of a sudden that's going to turn this into the top-rushing offense in football by any means, but doing those little things right at least puts you in a better position to have that opportunity to find some sort of success. Last thing he said was it's not just the personnel that this group has. It's not just because they have Aiden Hutchinson or Isaiah Bugs or John Kaminsky, the – the, the games that this defense plays causes chaos, causes confusion. He's talked about how the different personnel groupings they use, the different disguises and coverages, the variety of blitzes that they'll utilize. Like I, I equated it to, we all know the term illusion of complexity from Matt LaFleur's offense, the eye candy, what's going to, you know, what's the pre-snap stuff that's going to keep the defense uh, guessing and off balance to a degree. That's, kind of what Josh Myers described the Detroit Lions do. It's movement. It's different personnel. It's different blitzers. It's disguised coverages. It's all that stuff to, again, cause chaos and confusion. And that's part of what makes them such a good defense. It's not just the, it's not just the Jimmys and the Joes. It's the scheme. It's the X's and the O's that they got going for them as well. It's going to be
3: a very, very tough challenge for this Packers offense. Especially the way they move Aiden Hutchinson around, too. That's the thing that stood out to me. Josh Barton, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. He says, I believe the key to stopping the Lions pass rush is to throw in screens at least once every other series to slow them down. Love scrambles will help as well. I'll tell you, Love's been pretty impressive here lately, but I want to kind of shift gears to the defense, Paul. Um, You know, last time they played, obviously you got the Rudy Ford interception. Great field position for the Packers. I mean, I came up off the couch about hit my head in the, fill- in the ceiling fan. I was like, here we go. This is – that's the break we need. Of course, come away with no points, right? I think if I remember correctly – I can't remember if we turned the ball over there or just went for it on fourth down. But nonetheless, um, how do you think this defense – is going to respond here against Detroit in the second meeting because, obviously, they still got, in my opinion, at least a top-five offense. Some would say it's the best offense in the league. I know the defense has been struggling a bit. Um, What do you think the defensive approach will be? And uh, I've got to ask you about Amon Ross St. Brown's comments too, Paul. I mean, he came out and pretty much uh, smacked the hornet's nest, didn't he?
0: He did. Uh, As far as what to expect, so this was the game where afterwards – uh, LeFleur said, we got to change how we approach things philosophically. As a coaching staff, we can't be so rigid. As we know, the Lions rushed for 211 yards against Green Bay last time. And his comment after the game, specific one that I'm getting to here is, if you're going to try to stop the run, then commit to doing so. Basically saying when you put all those comments together, you can't always just sit in the split safety look that we know the Green Bay Packers utilize so often. So I tend to think that the pendulum is going to swing in the other direction where we're going to see more single high. And that is something that after the Chargers game, Matt LaFleur did compliment Joe Barry on, uh, especially with just given the injuries that they had in that secondary group, uh, two seventh round rookies, Jonathan Owens, Corey Ballantyne, a primary practice squad or, practice squad or special teams player. Like... Battlefield gave him some props there for that aggressiveness. He said, "Aren't a lot of aren't a lot of teams that are going to attack this Chargers that that Chargers offense in that style." So I think we're going to see the pendulum swing in that direction more to uh, put an additional defender in the box because, again, when you sit in that split high safety look, just from a a pure number standpoint, there's a gap that's unaccounted for. That's why cover two is you know the, one of the preferred methods to attack it is via the run game. And so I think we're going to see the Packers try to take that element away, put that extra defender there. Because at the end of the day, the Lions want to run the football. Like That's what this team does. And part of what's so impressive about them is everybody knows it and they still cannot stop them. Like To me, that's the definition of dominance in football. When the person across from you knows what you're going to do, at least from a run pass standpoint, And they still can't stop you when you're doing it. Again, Joe Barry called it the best offensive line in football, that Lions front. So you got to do your best. It's not easy. We all know his Packers team struggles in the run game. But you have to do your best to try to contain that aspect of it. Because if it gets going, obviously there's the chunk runs and what that can do. But this Lions offense, Jared Goff specifically, has been one of the best in football off of play action. He's fifth in, he's fifth in uh, completions off a of play action. He's third in yards. He's 10th in yards per attempt. He's been one of the best. And Joe Barry specifically comment, complimented Jared Goff on his ability to sell the play action fake. So that aspect of it as well, he said, is what makes Goff and this offense so, so effective. So how do you limit that? You got to try to at least stop the run. So To me, that's where this game begins and ends for the Packers, committing an extra guy to the box. But with that, Joe Barry can dial up whatever he wants schematically. He could have the right answer every single time. But if the players don't execute, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like The players have to be better. That's the other part of this equation, not just what Joe Barry dials up. I thought back to after the Steelers game again. Another 200-yard performance for a Packers opponent. And Matt Lafleur said, you know, it's not like we sat in cover two the entire game. We went to cover one, and we had two guys in one gap. Like, they're trying to, with that play call, help and slow down the run game. But guys have to be in the right gap. Guys have to shed blocks. Guys have to make tackles. Tackle, tackle, tackle. Like, they did really good defending the run against the Chargers. That 37-yard run by Eckler, though, how'd that start? Missed tackle. So get off your blocks. Be assignment sound plug your gaps be in the right gap help each other out and make your tackles to me that's obviously where this begins and ends and you're gonna like as talking about in the injury report if you're going to take that approach your secondary you're going to leave them out on an island to a degree so again you get root if you get rudy ford back if you get jair alexander back obviously that's going to play a key role in, that, in helping them in that capacity of it
3: Are you muted? Yes. Paul running the show over here. I love it. <laughs> I said that, that 37 yarder was hard to watch, man. Um, you know, because the gaps were filled. Devontae Wyatt got a great jump off the ball, drove the it was either the guard or the tackle, drove him back like two yards, misses the tackle, Preston gets greedy, breaks contain, and then Ballantyne's turned completely away from the play. I was just mm-hmm. like, cue the circus music. And I could just hear people. I could hear people in my mind saying, Joe Barry needs to go. And I'm like, he can't tackle for them. <laughs> right mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Man. It's tough, especially like you said, against the Steelers. And like Matt pointed out, you know, the Steelers played a lot of too high shell, and they were still meeting their run fits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, 100%. Sometimes it's come down to the Joes, right, for sure.
0: I, I, I feel like as just kind of throughout the course of the season as – not just here, but in general, as, as I have these conversations and I'm sure you do too, it's you, you, you feel like some across, sometimes I may come across as like an apologist for Joe Barry. And that's not my intention. There's definitely areas where he has to be better as the, as the commander of that defense, but man, the player has got to be better too. I know you see it watching the all 22, but Just thinking back to that Chargers game, like up in the press box, like those outside zone runs, like as it's unfolding, you're like, they're in position, they're in position, they're like as they're moving with it. And then somehow the the ball carrier's still getting upfield on it. Like as it's unfolding, it looks like things are where they need to be, but the full execution of it. And again, I know it's just one example, but it seemed to happen on multiple occasions of it looking like things are set up correctly to make a play and then the play is just not made.
3: Yeah. Tough look for sure. Um, and just so you know, I am the, uh, I'm the campaign manager for Joe Barry 2024. Okay. That's what I've been dubbed. So, um uh, when you say that people look at you as an apologist or whatever, I always go to the tape and I go, look, you're talking about missed tackles, bad rum fits, missed assignments. Like that's not on Joe Barry, the play caller, definitely on Joe Barry, maybe the coach and how they're getting mm-hmm. these guys. The teacher. Yeah. But, uh, and I always tell people, I don't I don't blame Joe Barry, but I would like a new D.C. <laughs> it's funny how I ride that fence. But uh, anyway, Paul, do you got anything else you want to add here before we let you go? man? we're a few minutes over. I really appreciate you taking a couple extra minutes here.
0: No, I always enjoy it. Uh, last thing I'll say is I did a three big things article over at Packers Wire about this game. Number one was the trenches. We talked about that. Number two is the injuries. And the third thing is just the little things if you're going to at least even hang around, have the opportunity to pull this thing off, it's the little things. The Packers have to take care of the football. They have to generate turnovers. They have to win the time of possession battle. They have to win the field position battle, which obviously comes down to the special teams. They have to capitalize when they do get that opportunity in the red zone. This is one of those games where it's going to take no penalties or few penalties, I should say. It's one of those games where it's going to take those things happening or the Packers winning those facets of the game for them to have the opportunity to come out on top. And then even then they might need some help from the Detroit lions kind of similarly to what happened this past Sunday with the chargers. Hey, we'll take it's all the help. We can get.
3: We'll take all the help we can get, Paul. <laughs> um, I just posted that link to that article in the appreciate chat that. here guys. Yeah. Make sure you check it out on Packers wire, kind of get the stage set for the game tomorrow Uh, Paul, really appreciate your time, man. And again, guys, check him out on uh, Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Also go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Does great work over there as well. Paul, you're the best dude. We appreciate you. Appreciate
0: it, Clayton. Happy Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy picking out that tree, buddy.
0: Yes, I will. Thank you.
3: Uh, See you. All right. So that was Mr. Paul Brittle, the man, the myth, the legend. So much information there, man. Just absolutely awesome. Love having that guy on. And, uh, You guys lit it up here in the chat, too. Great questions. Appreciate the super chats, guys. We try to get to him as much as we can when he's in here. But I just really, you hear me enough, right? I I just want to turn Paul loose. That's that's what I want to do when we get him in here. So uh, really cool to have him in uh, for sure. Um, Yeah, appreciate you guys being so kind to him also. Let's do this. Let's kind of dive in. I'm I'm sure Tim will be on here in a minute. If not, we'll roll solo here. But uh, we got a couple of things to hit on. Obviously, we hit on the injury report, and, you know, it was tough. It's tough looking at that injury report, but I think we did get some good news. Like we said earlier today, too, there's a good chance that you're probably going to have at least half of the people on that injury list will probably play tomorrow, right? So it looks a little worse than maybe it actually is. But um, Matt Schneidman actually tweeted this out earlier. He said, Packers game status report for tomorrow morning versus the Lions. Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage out. Doubtful, Josiah Deguara, Questionable, Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Tay Wicks, Rudy Ford, and A.J. Dillon. So just to kind of give you an idea, sometimes you can look at that injury report and it's a little bit overwhelming, right? And then you go back and and catch a tweet like this, and it really kind of ciphers things out a little bit better to where you can can make a little more sense of it. And Paul did an excellent job for that as well. So make sure you all check out that three big things and final thoughts that I posted there in the chat. Really, really good article. I was actually checking it out earlier today. Another thing that came down the pike here, too, um, from PFF, I thought this was cool. We, it's something we actually talked about when starting to get, see, uh, get a lot more notice uh, shined in here on Tay Wicks. But PFF, uh, PFF Green Bay Packers, you can follow them at PFF underscore Packers on Twitter. Uh, Dontavian Wicks leads the Packers in yards per route run this season, 1.92. Really, really cool stat. I love the fact that it seems like every day, another stat emerges where you go, all right, there's there's another piece to the puzzle when it comes to these young pass catchers. I know we got Tim live in Green Bay with us now. Tim, how you doing, buddy?
2: Doing good, man.
3: You taking doing some good. notes over there?
2: You, hey, uh, you know what? little light. Paul, Paul went easy on me today. Just, just a page. <laughs> I just got a page worth of notes, not, not three or four. <laughs> love it. Love a lot it. of great information, though, and, um, you know, Paul really broke it down. You know, yeah, the injuries <laughs> – you know, yeah. we gotta win in the trenches and then the little things. It is, it's truly the simple things that we have to at least not be liabilities at, put it that way. You know, we gotta at least, you know, attempt to block guys and get off of blocks in this hey. game.
3: I love what Jake Shavink said, the Don.
2: The Don. Like,
3: I like it. We need to we need to make a Photoshop having that. Maybe him in a mobster suit or something to call him the Don, you know.
2: Hey, speaking of the mob theme, I like what uh what Paul said when he brought up uh what Matt LaFleur said about, like, the youth of this team and inexperience and injuries. He said, nobody cares in this league. Maybe You remember our Bronxdale? Uh, yeah. Uncle Sonny was right. Nobody cares.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Love the accent, too. Amelia would appreciate that, you know, the old Paisano over there. Hey, forget about Ooh. it. <laughs> All right, roster moves. So sometimes this these are the, the missing pieces, Tim, to the puzzle, right? Rob Damoski said Packers roster moves – they signed from the practice squad, wide receiver Bo Melton and running back James Robinson. So, we're going to see our first little dose of James Robinson tomorrow. I'm eager to see if it's going to be more Patrick Taylor and more James Robinson. Wouldn't it be cool to see James Robinson come out and just light it up too? And that, you know, that little uh, whatever it may be, three carries, five carries, eight carries, whatever. Um, placed on our, obviously Luke Musgrave and running back Emmanuel Wilson. It was confirmed. We did have it right here on the show. That uh, it was a lacerated kidney, um, serious stuff there with Luke Musgrave. I don't know how long he's going to be out—at least four weeks, um, if not done for the year. But obviously, uh, thoughts of prayers to him, man. Get that thing cleaned up, get it straightened up, and uh, health uh, becomes before football here for sure. With that man, that's some scary stuff, Tim. Anytime you got some internal, internal laceration, man—that that stuff freaks me out. Not being able to fix it, not being able to even see it, right, and be aware of what happened. Man, that can be frustrating for and, sure. And him being
2: just so tough, right? Yeah, you finish
3: know? the game. To finish the damn game with a lacerated kidney, bro.
2: You know, it's almost like he was probably telling himself, like, oh, I got the wind knocked out of me, or oh, yeah. I, I'm okay. I'll be all right. And it's like you gotta think a few minutes later at a certain point, he's realizing he's he's not he's not okay. And he just yeah. gritted through it, man. You know, like yeah, like I don't know. Pardon my language, but the ball's on this guy, right? You
3: know? <laughs> the way <Weibos>. the <laughs> Um, Elevator from the practice squad for game day, fullback Henry Pearson and safety Benny Sapp third. So you're going to see Henry Pearson take on that, that Josiah DeGuarra role. I don't know how much 21 they'll try to run, but how cool will it be to get in a third and short situation and hand the ball to Henry Pearson pick up a big first down? Wouldn't that be cool, man? Just a little I fullback guy. First one of the year, fullback dive. Henry Pearson rambles for about six yards. Wouldn't it be awesome?
2: I'm sure AJ Dillon would appreciate it too. You know, you like. <laughs> yeah, give me take, you take a little bit of the workload it. off. Um, you know, we're really going to get to see, uh, I don't know, we're going to get to see a lot of new faces, put it that way. Um, but yeah, that would be cool to see Pearson break one off right when we need it the most too. You know, definitely.
3: definitely. If you guys would, take a second, hit that like button for us here on YouTube. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us this evening. Um, hope everybody's getting geared up to have an awesome, happy Thanksgiving. I know tomorrow's going to be great. Football on all day long. We get to root on the 49ers to beat the Seahawks to help our playoff chances. If somehow, some way, we come away with a dub against the Lions, it could, it could uh, play out to be a pretty nice day here for Packer fans. Um, let's see here. PFF Summary. Tim let's kind of dive into it we got about I don't know about 25 minutes left here let's see if we can ramble through all of these matchups and and key statistics takeaways things like that so according to PFF team metrics the Packers power ranking is 19th the Lions are 7th okay power ranking on defense the Packers are 16th the Lions are 21st so that's what we've been talking about excuse me that uh we have the better defense. Uh, you know, Not not crazy better, but, you know, slightly better defense. Power ranking on offense, we are 16th. They are ninth. So, according to PFF, they're actually down around the ninth spot. And I was kind of anticipating them being somewhere in the top three, top five. So, that's interesting. Strength of schedule played. Ours is 24th. Theirs is 22nd. And people are starting to realize that now. I heard on the McAfee show earlier today, they were talking about, like, you know, we were – We were thinking of the Lions, they're this big wagon. But then when you look at their schedule and look at who they've actually played, they haven't played very many good teams. Um, You know, when you talk about, like, the Bengals are obviously having a little bit of a down year. When they got the Bengals there, um, of course, that was preseason. I apologize. Let's start with Chicago in week one. Chicago, obviously, everybody knows has been a dumpster fire this year. They get the dub there. Uh, The Falcons, bad team as well. Um, They end up losing to the Falcons on the road. Uh, against the Saints nope that's our schedule I'm looking at the wrong one again pull, I can't get it pulled up here well swing and a miss Timothy
1: <laughs>
3: <It's> <laughs> I the rag to- one. I, I want to see it I'm going to go back to PFF just to see the strength of schedule because um, the fact that they're 22nd I know McAfee was talking about it today and how bad it was but when you go down to the quarterback matchup this is the big thing that that really it doesn't give me a whole lot of faith uh Tim I mean Jerry Goff, 86.9 this year, elite PFF grade. Jordan Love, look at him now, 70.7, slowly climbing, right, slowly climbing. The big thing, though, with Goff, when you look at the numbers on the surface, though, passer rating under pressure, 54.7. So we got to get some pressure in Jerry Goff's lap, man, am I right?
2: Yeah, freaking sorry. I'm, now I'm stuck on mute. My bad. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> yes, yes you're correct, Clayton. I promise. I agree. I, I agree with you <laughs> on that for sure. I never thought I'd be at this point where I'm like, man, Jared freaking Goff. Are you kidding me? Like right. this dude is lighting it up. <laughs> 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 and you know, you gotta you gotta tip your cap. And yeah, um, I think we have to vacillate between the two. I think we need to send send the dogs, and I think we kn- we need to know when to fall back and um, you know try and have some extra help back there too because. You know, if we keep biting on the play action, Paul was talking about this. You know, he is really good at selling those play fakes. And if we get caught with our pants down too much, we're going to get lit up in this game.
3: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I've got this schedule now um, with uh, with the Lions. I want to see exactly who they played here. Let's take a quick gander at that, and then we'll come back to this information. So when when we hear people talk about their strength of schedule, week one, obviously, the defending Super Bowl champs and the Kansas City Chiefs, they come out with a big win there. Um, Seattle was week two, Um, they obviously lost that game. Week three, the Falcons, they get the dub there, which we all know the Falcons are struggling. There's been uh, grumblings that they were going to fire their coach. They've now changed quarterbacks to the best of my knowledge. Obviously played the Packers who are having a down year. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Pretty much the worst team in the league. They beat them 42-24, to which that's what you should do to bad teams, right? Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've been up and down. Started kind of strong with Baker. Seems like they flattened out a bit. They beat them 20-6. to Then at Baltimore, that right there was really the first big test, in my opinion. Other than Kansas City, which we all know Kansas City isn't the same Kansas City this year. At least it doesn't seem that way. But when you go down to... Um, them playing the Baltimore Ravens on the road, Tim, 38 to six, big loss there, right? I mean, that's, they got absolutely boat race. Uh, the Raiders, they come out on top 26 to 14. They play the Chargers 41 to 38. Now think about this guys, put it into perspective here. Let's, let's compare apples to apples for a second. When you look at the Chargers and we just got through playing them, right? We held them to 20 points. They dropped 38 on the lines just to kind of show you the difference in our defense and their defense. And it wasn't like that was the first quarter of the season. That was just a couple games ago, right? So you're getting kind of that version of the Lions defense that we talked about here lately. They've really been the struggle. So um, then you they got get- the Chicago Bears last week. Obviously, that was a, a little bit of a dog fight there. The Bears dropped 26 on them. But, of course, the Lions ended up winning 31 to 26. Go and ahead,
2: that's man. the key right there. That's the key. If, if we give up 30 points on Detroit, we're going to lose. Yeah, we're going to no lose right. the game. We're and you
3: gonna lose. It, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you talk about them being, you know, it's not even debatable, probably, you know, top five offense in the NFL, you know, <laughs> we have got to be on our a game. Um, I can't agree more with what Paul was saying about, you know, speaking to Josh Myers, you know, and them talking about the little things that goes across the board for this team, and. um you know, you're right. Detroit was just kind of in a dogfight with the Bears. So that kind of gives me hope. Like maybe this is that time. like, you know what I mean? Like they're cut, they're cutting, they're bleeding a little. So maybe maybe this is a good time to sneak in there and steal one. But man, we are not even close to 100 percent as a team with all these injuries. So that's uh, going to present its own problem. But, um, you know, I don't know, man, Clayton, this the more I think about it, if we don't get if we don't get it done. Absolutely in the trenches and in the secondary with our defense, where we, we almost have to play perfect <laughs> defensively, if you think about it. I mean, for the most part, we can't have stupid mistakes. We shoot ourselves in the foot in this in this game, we're we're toast. Um, yeah. but now if if all of a sudden we're going in, you know, or coming out of that middle eight or heading into, you know, closing out that third quarter, and you know, it's a 17-14 game type of vibe, that now we're in it. That's where we want to be. But we can't go down multiple scores to this team and expect to to pull out a win. I just don't think so. Low yeah. scoring and close is gonna is gonna favor us. We have to find a way to stymie that offense.
3: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Let's go to the uh, the betting line here, Tim. So basically, the lines are seven and a half point favorites, right? PFF, like we said, their green line betting uh, prediction has it at seven point one, so a little bit better um, there in the in the Packers' favor as far as the the line moving four tenths of a point. Um, let's see. Uh, as far as the cash, the cash in the spread. Okay, so like I said, seven and a half point spread. Seventy-five percent of the cash is on Detroit. Sixty-five percent of the tickets are on Detroit. Now, for a money line, just straight up bet. Um, it's negative three. It's it's minus three fifty-five to take the lines in just a head-to-head. You know, if they win, you win the bet. Type you know approach. Um, when you look at the cash in that regard on the money line, 61% of the cash is on the Packers. You go, okay, wait a minute. 86% of the tickets are on the lines, though. The over-under is set at 47. Uh, PFF has it at 47.8, so pretty uh, pretty spot on there as well. And it looks like 60% of the cash is on the over. So we might get us a high-scoring game, man. It might be another one of those games where Jordan Love has to come out and throw for 300-plus yards, Tim. Yeah.
2: I mean, if it if it does in fact end up be becoming a high scoring game, I'm I'm hoping for an ugly, nasty grinder, man. That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I want it to be, you know, much like the game that Detroit just played. We just talked about they had to they had to grind it out in a dogfight with the Bears uh, to come out of there with a win. And we have to we have to make it this type of game. You know what I mean? Like we're not gonna go. I don't think we're gonna go, tutty for tutty score for score with Detroit for very long. We may be able to sustain that for a little while, depending on, you know, if we can get it rolling, but I don't know, man. I I really think we have got to find a way to just, we have to make it frustrating for Detroit is what we need to do. We have to make, we have to make the things that they think are going to work against us. We have to find a way, you know, to, to get around that, man. We've got to be, um, got to be like annoying to this team. (laughs) That's like our best way to kind of get them. And we're going to, we're going to need guys to step up. Clearly that goes without saying. So look for the emergence of some of our future stars and possibly a new one in a game like this. If we're going to come out with a victory, you know, you are going to need an electric performance from a guy like Patrick Taylor in a, in a supporting role. You know, you are going to need these guys to step up.
3: Yeah. Jake Shavink in the chat says only one litmus test left for Detroit. Hard to know where they're truly at in terms of, true nfc title contention it's it's really true when you look at the schedule um i don't know man anything can happen you get into this part of the season for sure you i know the packers understand that there's playoff uh, impl- implications on the line i think we're going to get the the uh the most well-prepared version of the packers tomorrow now will it be enough that's a different story but i don't know if i should say they the, they will be the most prepared they've been all year I think this is going to be the most effort we've seen from them all year because they know you go out there and beat up the big, bad lions with the whole country watching, um, I think you got a shot to really carry some momentum into the playoffs for sure because they're definitely, like we talked about you know, earlier on Good Morning Lambeau, they're definitely in the playoff hunt, as silly as that sounds. There's uh, there's no two ways about it. So um, let's see here, Josh Martin with the prediction again, 400 yards, six tutters for love tomorrow, go big or go home, LOL. I like it, man. Look at this. We got Mark in the chat. says defense scores two touchdowns. There we go. They, they've they've had success, uh, you know, forcing turnovers against golf the last couple of years, right, and including the first one, first matchup earlier this year. It's just can you capitalize on it? I think we would all agree this offense is a totally different offense than what we had trotted out there earlier in the year. I mean, love is really starting to click. Let's just hope these guys can be healthy enough. And it's the fact that, like Paul Brettle pointed out here earlier, we were on the same page with that. The fact that Tay Wicks was limited today was like, hold up. He may clear concussion protocol. If he clears, Jaden Reed's good to go. We, this this may not be as bad as we thought. And and I'm really excited, Paul, to see if Tucker Craft can rise to the occasion because you know, they've used him in kind of that U, U set, that U tight end set, right? And they've used him to sift. They've used him to chip and, and, and leak and all those things. I want to see him when they spread out. Him working that skinny post down the seam, right? Let's see what he's got when it comes to that because the guy's got the frame, he's got the athletic ability, much like Christian Watson. He's just raw and been to a went to a small school, so it's kind of like okay, you know, he's he hasn't played a whole lot of uh, high level football, if you will, right? So I don't know, man. I've got a good feeling about Tucker Craft. I think we we may see him break out a little bit tomorrow.
2: Yeah, and those are the kind of stories where uh we're no strangers to those, right? The guy that comes out of nowhere and has himself a big game and suddenly becomes, you know, a fan favorite or a, a star here in green Bay. I mean, mm-hmm. we've done this time and time again over the years. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Tucker craft out there and, you know, talking about uh, Tay Wix, wicks, the Don, as it were, um, you know, I like what Paul did. He, he really brought it down to earth when he referenced Devante's uh, concussion protocol, a couple seasons back where it was a short week. We didn't think at all, Um, he was going to play. And if I remember the play that I'm thinking of that Devontae was concussed on, it was a nasty, nasty hit that he took. And uh, he came back and played. So there is precedence. We tend to kind of get uh, a little panicky when it comes to our guys, especially when we're this banged up. So seeing the Don out there, that could be huge. Um, And uh, another great point by Paul, don't forget, Jaden Reed is good to go. So uh, we have weapons offensively. We can – we have a chance in this game. You know, I, I know nobody else seems to think it, but I know I'm not alone. I'm pretty sure, um, you know, you agree, Clayton, that I, we do have a chance to win this game. Uh, it might not be a large one. It might be a thin, thin line between us winning and losing this game. And it comes down to execution. But I think we have a chance to to shock the world tomorrow. And it's going to be a hell of a game to watch for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm excited, man. Football, like I said, Thanksgiving, I can't say it enough. Let's talk about the matchups here real quick. Tim. So when we look at uh, PFF grades across the board, to the best of my knowledge, this is still up to date here um, as far as who's actually going to be playing. Um, You see Tucker Craft stepping in now at a 44.9, obviously, but let's focus on the offensive line like we did earlier. Real brief, a real brief overview of the offensive line, our 12 personnel against their 34 base. Um, Yash Naiman at left tackle, sixty point nine. Elton Jenkins is certainly slowly starting to to climb up here, sixty seven point four. Josh Myers, sixty two point three. Uh, obviously, he's the nineteenth greatest center graded center in the game today. Um, again, he's not playing horrible right now, but when you spend a second round pick on a center and they're in the bottom half of the league of star of bottom half lists of starting centers across the league, man, that's just tough for me to swallow. John Runyon is now dipped down to 53.5, and then Zach Tom, just steady Eddie, grading out as the 11th best tackle in the game at a 78.8. So if you took that into perspective and say, okay, there's actually two tackles that start on every offensive line, that will put him somewhere in the ballpark of being a top five uh, offensive tackle in the game for right tackle position. So, When you move to the tight end position, actually, let's hop over to the 34 front. You got Kaminsky at a 61.6. You got Jones at no stack with a 47.6. And then you got McNeil uh, there at the left end spot, 87.6. You want to know why this defense has had any success at all? It's because the left side there with McNeil. And then, of course, Hutchinson off the left edge at left outside linebacker, 90.2. He's the seventh highest graded edge defender in the game. Uh, this year and they also like to move him around so when you see that big ugly orange spot there at nose tackle at 47.6 keep in mind they like to bring Hutchinson over into that A and B gap as well and you're really wanting that nose to just occupy some bodies so he can come free and then of course you got pascal on the, uh, on the right side at outside linebacker slash edge at a 56.6 so when you look at that front our front against our front out of 12 personnel Tim what sticks out to you man it, it doesn't look that doesn't look that tough on paper, man, right?
2: No, absolutely. And, you know, what sticks out is what you just said about them. Uh, you know, they do. They like to move Hutchinson around. And um, if he's going to be mugging the A and B gap, we've got to have a check for that or an alert for that. You know, when when we see that, you know, Josh Myers, these guys, you know, Big E, JRJ, they, they have to be aware of what's going on in the middle there in the trenches because – you know like you said they're only asking their their nose to to just occupy some space and maybe be a distraction or or give a, a a little push so Hutchinson can slip in there. So we've got to be able to address that and whether that's you know you can try and block Aiden Hutchinson with a running back all you want. You know, I don't think it's going to turn out very well most of the time. Um but uh that that was what really stood out to me. You're right. The left side of their their front in this in this scenario is just man, I'm automatically looking to the left side of the field from, from this perspective for us, what can we, can we run some, uh, you know, do you think we run counter run? Do we run off tackle to the left side, you know, try and get something going that way and just try and stay away from it.
3: You know, the last game, it seemed to me they were really trying to key in on inside zone and just couldn't put it together. Now was that to try to set the passing game up and just give, give the uh, the chargers the thought of, Hey, look, they will run the ball. Um, you know, with Jonesy being out, I can't imagine you're looking to attack with outside zone. I kind of feel like this is going to be a pass-heavy game, man. I mean, when you really look at the the, the matchup in the secondary, look, actually, let's start with Kraft and Sims, okay? Obviously, Kraft, 44.9, uh, Ben Sims at a 63.1. When you look at their linebackers, you got Jack Campbell, who started off and showed some flashes, but now has dipped to 45.7. He's definitely the weaker link there in inside linebackers. they got got um, Anzalone at a 79.6 so you know if you do come out in these 12 looks especially the 12 uh 12 nasty balance right um and even the ace balance look uh you know 12 personnel i think what you're probably going to want to do is try to get sims um singled up out there on jack campbell somehow some way right and we know sims had pretty good res if i remember correctly he's a pretty athletic guy big guy i know jacob right here on PackerNet. uh from the Packer Net Fantasy podcast, was excited about his build, his athleticism. Um, that's the one thing that sticks out to me is how he was excited about Ben Sims being on on the Packers. And I mean, 63.1, obviously significantly better than Kraft so far this year. Now, when you look at the corners on the outside, they've got Sutton on one side, Jacobs on the other. That's hot trash. That's hot garbage. For everything that Amon Ross St. Brown was saying about our defense, you couldn't name anybody on that defense. Their secondary is looking pretty pretty rough there on the boundary. So the question is, are they going to play with two on the shelf? Are they going to move a, a safety in the box? How are they going to approach this? Because it looks like in their base set, Tim, they like to put Branch at safety. And then, of course, you got Kirby Joseph uh, back here at free safety. The 55.1 for him, Branch having an awesome year. Um, He's normally playing corner, but if he does play safety in a pinch or uh, out of base, 73.0 is a real good grade. Now, when you look at our receivers and how we may attack them, uh, Romeo Dobbs, 71.8 out of the 12 personnel, um, Watson, 57.3. I think you're going to see way more Jaden Reed um, than Christian Watson in this game. That's just me personally. I think they're going to put more of a workload on him, but I also think you'll see 11 more than 12. So I'm going to go ahead and shift the image over to 11 personnel for our offense, Tim. What sticks out to you about what we just covered? Now you see Brian Branch sliding down to the slot and them moving uh, Kirby Joseph over to the right side at safety and bringing in Walker the 3rd who's got a 66.7. But got to get Jaden Reed on the field. You can see it right there, man. He and Tay Wicks. If Tay Wicks is a go, if Jaden Reed's a go, you got to get them involved. And you can't you can't minimize A.J. Dillon too, man. He's now the 18th highest graded running back in the league. Maybe they can get something going in the run game or maybe they can attack with a screen, like listeners were saying here in the chat. But what do you think, Tim?
2: I mean, this is a lot like what Paul was talking about, you know. Um, we have to try and have a running game, but you know, I think you're you're right, Clayton. This this could be pass heavy. And to answer your question, you know, with them, are they gonna go at uh too high on the shelf? Um, I think so. If we're if we're in a situation where we bail on the run and and we're passing a lot. And, you know, I, I think that there's a very realistic possibility, especially given the weaknesses they have at corner, that they're going to want to have that extra safety help. We have to have a way to exploit that. I love Paul's point about manufacturing a a substitute run game by using screen passes and quick, quick passes um, to kind of get the wheels going and short yardage, pickups, move the sticks. That's going to be really important uh, to us offensively trying to um, – you know, move the ball against uh, this Detroit defense, um, and also another thing that uh, Paul had touched on: attack the corners. You know, if we know these corners are suspect, let's go right at them. You know, if we roll tape back uh, to last week, you know, we we got put behind the eight ball because of a stupid penalty to start the game, and Matt Lafleur was <laughs> he was in rare form right out of the gate. Those first uh, three snaps, we were attacking and moving the ball pretty well. You know, we didn't put a drive together, but. You know, that's kind of a sampling of what I think we may need to do throughout this game is, yeah, it may need to be quick outs or whatever we have to do to attack these corners, um, regardless of their their personnel group, realistically, because, you know, if we're not going to find success on the ground, we got to find it somewhere. Right. And why not attack the weakest part of their defense?
3: Yeah. Nick McSwain in the chat says, "I think the reason they don't run as much on first down is how defenses are playing them. I think that definitely plays a role, man. And one thing uh, from a Packers standpoint, you know, Lafleur is willing to pass on first down, right? I mean, we if there's one thing we've learned this year, Tim, we're willing to pass on first down if we get the right look. There's no doubt about that. Let's uh, let's move along to the defensive side of the ball as we trigger our base defense, our base 34." Look at this! This defense don't look too bad, Tim. You see him what one, two, three in the green. You've got one, two, three borderline green, right? The uh, obviously the ugly spot right now is Jonathan Owens at strong safety. That's your worst spot. And of course, you got the seventh rounder uh, Carrington Valentine at a sixty point three, which I like. We always say you know any time a rookie can grade out in the sixties with PFF, typically it's a pretty good year. But when you look at this offense on the defense for the for the Detroit Lions. Man, that offensive line is stacked. You got Decker, 77.3 at left tackle. Obviously, you got uh, Soresdale, uh, a 44.6 at left guard. That's the weakest link. You got Ragnow, 82.5 at center. Glasgow, uh, 77.7 at right guard. You got Panay Sewell at right tackle, 85.8, the second highest graded tackle in the game. When you slide out the tight end, Sam Laporta, excellent rookie tight end out of Iowa, Um, obviously a 73.0. Their other tight end is going to be 45.0 in right. And then, of course, Jerry Goff, 86.9. You've got Montgomery in the backfield, 81.0. Now, when you look at how we match up offensive line to or defensive line to their offensive line, Kenny Clark's now up to a 65.8. TJ Slayton, 61.0. Devontae Wyatt, 63.2. On the edges, of course, you've got Preston Smith, 73.8. you got Rashawn Gary, steady Eddie. Love seeing Rashawn get that sack there on that next-to-last drive. I think it was on third down to get uh, the Chargers off the field. Can't place enough value on Rashawn Gary, man. Just the the little things that guy does to keep this defense in the game is just phenomenal. So when you look at their front four or front five against our front five, um, what do you think here, man? It's uh, it's gonna be a gonna be a tough test. This is pro- this is definitely gonna be the best test uh, for this Packers defense since they played the Lions last, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And you know when I look at this, I I guess my first thought is, you know, we just touched on it, right? We need to get pressure on Jared Goff. Well, we're looking, we're looking at this on the screen right now, and I'm going, how? So, what are we going to do when, you know, we're five to eight, nine minutes into this game, and it's, and we're not, we're, we're, we're sending the dogs and we're not getting home. What is our adjustment for that? You know, if you can't get pressure to him, how, how do we find a way to keep ourselves in the game? Do we just fall back and, um, you know, try to make plays, splash play, create a turnover? You know what I mean? Like,
3: yeah. I'm
2: not saying you give up on a pass rush. You're obviously rushing all the time. But, you know, if you're just not getting home, how do you how do you account for that? How do you adjust to stay competitive in a game if you can't get pressure on a quarterback like this?
3: Yeah. You gotta manufacture it. You gotta get creative in the trenches, running TTs, ETs, things like that. Um, that's probably your best bet. I wouldn't mind to see, like I said, maybe have them switch this week, have Devontae Wyatt playing on the uh, on the left side from the offense's perspective, maybe uh in in kind of a what a, a three technique, the outside shoulder of the guard, have him Uh, You know, jolt across the face of the left guard and the center to create some space for Kenny to come uh, through that A to B gap on the left side where the left guard would have been if you can walk him out with some TT. Now, that's easier said than done because they can run the ball down your throat. You got to be careful there. The game plan I keep coming up with when thinking about this, Tim, and I've thought of it 1,500 different ways, I think this is the game that you play them the way you played the Chargers down the stretch. You just got to lay it all out there, man. You got to play press, man. You know, you're going to you're going to possibly give up explosive plays. But when I say press man, I'm not talking about press man. I'm talking about mirror match press man keying on the run as well. Let's do a little run blitz and let's shut down the run early and often commit those bodies. You know, that's all Joe Barry can do. That's what we've done here in the past. You can see they got a body in in, in each gap. Like Paul said, in some cases you had two bodies in the gap. They still didn't get the job done. You just got to keep pressing into that. Make him beat you, you know, make Jerry Goff beat you. You can approach it that way to stop the run, or you can play with two safeties on the shelf, let them nickel and dime you with the run, play bend but don't break, uh, you know, bail yourself out there in the red zone. You know, even the touchdown pass they threw to Keenan Allen there on Sunday, which I know people were saying, oh, well, the Chargers didn't play that well and they don't, you know, they didn't lean on the run enough and, and different things. Listen, at the end of the day, Justin Herbert is a top 10, maybe a top five quarterback in the league, right? Keenan Allen right now is arguably a top three wide receiver in the league. When he beat us on that play, granted, uh, Jonathan Owens got turned around in the wrong direction when we were playing country quarter spot drop. But at the same time, that they still had to thread the needle to get that in there under Anthony Johnson Jr. because we went to our quarters look there in the red zone um that might be the way to play it too i just find myself going back and forth on how to approach it but as far as generating pressure if you want to keep more more people in coverage to help cover a, a Monroe st brown who's an 89.9 the fifth highest graded wide receiver in the game right now you got josh reynolds on the other side at 72.0 this is out of their base 12 look you may want to keep it in front of you i i, I continue to go back and forth it's the question is do you want to stop the runner or do you want to stop the pass me i want to control the explosive plays I think the game plan will probably be pretty darn similar to the game plan they put together for the Chargers, but I'm just kind of taking a wild guess there. When we look at the nickel aspect of our defense, okay, and them in their 11 personnel, they like to put Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot. Obviously, they bring in Williams on the other side there in the Z. Sam Laporta will still be your Y. So the matchup that really bothers me here, Tim, if you do yep. decide to go man coverage, Yep. Keyshawn Nixon and Amon-Ron St. Brown—that is a mismatch waiting to happen. I didn't point this out on chalk talk to him. I was—I was hanging out here at the house earlier today, and he hit me like a turn of bricks that I didn't point out that they bracket covered, uh, um, uh, they bracket covered Keenan Allen late in that game, where they basically had everyone else's pretty much zero man coverage, but they had the safety dip down. You had the corner. You had Keyshawn play outside technique. On uh, on Keenan Allen and filter him inside, where we had another safety plan inside technique. They actually ran bracket coverage against Keenan Allen. I think they'll they'll probably try to do the same thing against Amon Ross St. Brown. But just like everything with the NFL, Tim, that's on tape now. You, yep. you can bet your bottom that Ben Johnson that's not going to catch him off guard, and he'll have an answer for it. I think the answer will come by the name of Sam Laporta, but. What do you think about the uh, about the nickel there, man? That don't look good with Nixon, does it, man?
2: No, and you almost don't even need to say anything because as soon as you put the graphic up, that's the first thing you see, right? I mean, yeah. it just it just screams out at you. And um, you know, I love Quay, and and Quay is athletic, um, especially in, in pass defense situations. But if we think a little bit of, you know, linebacker help there <laughs> to that side of the field with uh, Keyshawn dealing with Saint Brown is going to help. I don't. I don't see that being a long term solution. Game is fluid, though. You know, yeah, we can bracket. But what happens if we're still getting beat? You know, and like you said, there's other answers offensively for Detroit, um, you know, with this personnel grouping. So, you know, but who knows? Maybe we get a game. Maybe this is a you know, we talk about, you know, Jake uh, brought up a great point about a litmus test for Detroit. Well, this could be a litmus test for some of our our guys here too, you know, like we're going to get a real screaming, good idea of who Carrington Valentine is after this game. I'll tell you that right now, he's going to have a full workload tomorrow. And so is Keyshawn in the slot, you know? Mm So, um, I don't know, strap strap in uh, ladies and gentlemen, put your seatbelts on. It's (laughs) going to be,
1: it's going to be a ride.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Uh, Carly Ray in the chat says, so the grades say we will get slaughtered, but we know our boys and they got heart we will put up a fight. I personally don't think the grades say we'll get slaughtered, Carly Ray, because when you look at their defensive side of the ball, if you can limit the damage that Aiden Hutchinson does, that defense is nothing to write home about. And I think that's what a lot of teams done. He started off really hot. Now he's graded out great, right, all year long. But you've seen teams adjust and start to attack in a quick manner to kind of neutralize Aiden Hutchinson. You want to frustrate a pass rusher. Snap the ball and get the pass off in less than two seconds and watch them get frustrated. Short passing game might be the way to approach it. Obviously, uh, you know I think they'll they'll still go to pick a side that type of approach, yeah. but they're getting more and more creative. You know, mixing in some of these uh, these concepts, like we said, where they they essentially added in a third level concept on that quote unquote pick a side approach with them drawing up that play there to the Christian Watson uh, touchdown. So uh, that's kind of how I see it, Carly Rae. I, I don't think it. I think, I think it's going to be a little closer than people were expecting. I really do. Now, you know, what I mean by that, I don't think – I don't see it being like a slam dunk. We're going to get beat by more than 10 points, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we look up in the fourth quarter and it's a three- or a four-point game. Now it's going to come down to can Jordan Love get it done like we did last week as opposed to prior weeks before. Mike Hebering with the Super Chat. Thank you, buddy. Real simple. Owens is booty cheeks. He is ice-cold booty cheeks right now, Mike, and – I hope he turns it around, but I don't know, man. I just don't see it. He's, you know, you expect him, Tim, to give up plays in the passing game. That's not his game. But when you see him isolated and he can't make the tackle, man, that's that's where you gotta go. This this is just not working out. I love Simone Biles as much as the next Packer fan, but this just doesn't seem to be working out. Um I think that LaFleur is looking forward to getting Savage back for that reason. I just wish they would go in the direction of the combination of Anthony Johnson Jr. and Rudy Ford. Now with us saying that watch Jonathan Owens come out tomorrow and get two picks, Tim.
2: This is what I'm saying. That always happens. That's like an inside joke. Me and my wife have every, every time I drag a player, they make me look stupid. like literally 100% of the time. So yes, let's, uh, Let's keep throwing the shade, man, and uh, get, a, get a response out of these guys. But, no, it's it's frustrating with J.O. You know, you're brought here to do exactly that, right, be that, be that tackler uh, in our secondary. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a lack of effort thing. I think he's just not playing fundamentally disciplined, and he's not using good angles, not using good technique. And if you're out of position and you're not, you know, following the flow of the play, man, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So, hopefully we get a better game out of him, but I'm with you 100% man. I would love to see Ant Johnson and um and Rudy Ford out there together. You know, yeah. slight chance we might get that tomorrow. You never know, right? I mean, Rudy's questionable, you know.
3: So, yeah. That would be nice, man. I would love to see that combination for sure. You guys would we got a heck of a crowd in here tonight. Go ahead and hit that like button for us. We'd really appreciate it. That helps out the channel, helps other Packer fans find our content. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us here on Thanksgiving Eve. Everybody getting getting their, their guts conditioned for tomorrow, right? We're going to put it through it tomorrow, man. I'm ready for it. Bring me that, that cheap cranberry sauce. I need the ridges from the cans. Just telling you, you got to have it. Thank you, Mike, for the super chat. One One last thing I wanted to hit on here, Tim. This is the schedule, according to the 33rd team. They've got. They use SIS data to try to determine, um, you know, basically how the their own power rankings. Much like how PFF uses their own power ranking system, they use SIS data. They'd be in the thirty third team to determine okay where the teams rank power ranking wise. So when you look at it here from our schedule so far, we played Chicago, who was ranked twenty third. Atlanta Falcons, who's ranked twenty eighth. The Saints ranked sixteenth. The Lions ranked third. Um, the, the Raiders ranked 29th, the Broncos 25th, the Vikings 9th, the Rams 19th, Pittsburgh Steelers 15th, and the Chargers 10th. So according to the 33rd team, we just beat a top 10 team, okay? And we took, excuse me, a top 15 team down to the wire on the road as well. We boat raced the number 19 team in the Rams. So obviously tomorrow they got the Lions ranked 3rd, the Chiefs coming up the week after at Lambeau Field, let's get loud. The Chiefs are currently ranked sixth. So, for everybody who just pretends like, oh, we're going to, you know, the Chiefs is going to be the toughest game, you know, there's there's teams that are playing much better than the Chiefs this year. I don't think the Chiefs is necessarily a guaranteed loss for the Packers. I really don't. The Chiefs, are, they've got drop issues right now. Um, they've got all the distractions in the world with, uh, with uh, Travis Smith, I mean, Kelsey, or I'm sorry, Travis Taylor. I mean Kelsey. Um, you you got that whole thing going on, right? Um, by the way, do you, do we think that 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 Taylor Swift is going to be at Lambeau Field? Do you think she's going to be there for that? Tim, are you excited about having Taylor Swift and all the Swifties in the house?
2: I'd be lying if I said I gave a flying. Oh, sorry, I can't say Ooh. that. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't given it any thought whatsoever. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I,
3: I, I, knew that answer. That's why I asked. I knew a <laughs> colorful response. So after the Chiefs, the Giants are the 32nd team, the dead last according to 33rd team. That doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win, but it's nice to get a cupcake on the road like that, right? And then of course you got Tampa Bay, who's now 17th. They'll be at Lambeau Field. Then we travel to the 31st worst team, Carolina Panthers. Then we got another top 10 team, the Minnesota Viking coming in at night. People laughed at me when I was talking about Brian Flores, talking about B flow getting hired as the DC. People told me, oh, they don't have the guns to run that man coverage. They want to. I'm like, you have no idea <laughs> what Brian Flores does. And that that tree he comes from with the Belichick tree, they will they will play zero man coverage one game and then play quarters the next, and then switch to a 34 zone blitz the next. Very, very versatile. They've turned that uh, that team around pretty quickly there. And, of course, Joshua Dobbs, tough loss there uh, last week, I think against the Broncos. So the Vikings are a top-10 team. And then, of course, the Chicago Bears are sitting right there in the 23rd spot. So – um I say all that because if you look at this, let's just treat the blues as wins, and we know there's no guarantee with anything in this. I mean, we, obviously we lost to we lost to the Broncos who are the 25th worst team. We lost to the Vegas uh, Raiders who are the 29th worst team. Right? Granted, I think now they're a little bit different team than they were at the time for sure. But if you were to tally those up, right, you've got what one, two, three, four more wins, right? So that puts us in the seventh and at the uh, where are we at right now? What's our record right now? Four in let's see here four and six. So us sitting at four and six right now, if you could win those four games, that puts us at eight and six, right? Eight wins. So how many will we have to win? They say win 10 and you're in, right? I think nine might get a team in in the NFC this year. So what it comes down to is, can you win those games that we're talking about? The Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and the Bears, right? If you can win those games, and then win one, possibly two, of the Lions, the Chiefs, and the Vikings. And of course, the Vikings are on the road. I don't know, I don't know uh, Tim. I think we, uh, I think we got a shot here, man.
2: You know, Jake Shavink made a great point. You know, we got to steal one of these games, yeah. right here, Detroit or Kansas City, to give us that that momentum. Um, because, yeah, on paper, we should we should go on a, a win streak on paper but that would require this team to do something it hasn't done all year which is win more than one game in a row. So, I believe that, you know, on multiple levels how this team plays tomorrow is going to have huge implication on the rest of this season, you know. It ain't over till it's over, especially when we're talking when we're grasping at straws and every little statistic we can to try and rationalize a playoff appearance here. But, yeah, you know, we've already lost games that we should have won this year, you know. So, anything can happen, but you know, if we drop the next two, we're you know all bets are off at that point. I think you know we have got to get one of these these next two games, and I think we can go on a streak. I really do. I mean, it's not unfeasible to think that we could win out. It has
1: happened before. It has <laughs> happened
2: before. You know, and yeah, there's going none of these are going to be you know walks in the park here, and you can't ever take any team for granted, even if it is the New York Giants. You know. It, <laughs> This could be one of those games for Detroit tomorrow, right? Like, look at look at our perspective going into this game tomorrow. You know, nobody thinks we can win, right? Oh, the Packers are banged up. Detroit's the superior team. They're at home. You know, Packers aren't going to win this game. And it's like, oh yeah, what w- what a great story it's going to be on Friday. You know, <laughs> when the Packers are celebrating a a victory. What what will the narrative be then? You know, th- that would just be so huge. But you know, bottom line, we got to get one of these next two to even be in to even be in the hunt, you know, because we also need help. Like you said, Clayton, you know, we, we want Seattle to lose, you know, we need a lot of things to go our way as well. Things that we don't control. You know, the only thing we do control is how we play and how we execute. Right. Like Paul Brattle said, the little things, you know, we have to be, we have to be on top of our game and I know we're going to get the effort, right. These guys are going to be jacked up to play football. If anything, we're, we're hoping our guys stay, Stay just enough calm and focus that they're not playing uh, too excited and too, uh, right. you know, reckless out there, you know. So yeah. um, go, Pat, go, man.
3: Of course, so there, there won't be a Dallin Levitt out there to argue with the refs. This oh, week. my Lord. Thank um, goodness. Jam with the chat here says, uh, score early and often for once. Get ahead, force them into passing situations, then pin our ears back and pressure the hell out of golf. Way easier than said than done. Of course, I love the game plan, though. Love the yeah. passion there, Jam. For sure. Mike, uh, Mike Hebring says, uh, Tim is spot on. I couldn't give a flying F about Travis Smith, Travis Swift. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, man. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, let's see here. Paul Robertson says, Taylor Swift has zero effect on Chiefs play while losing Eric Bienemy to Washington has had a huge effect. <laughs> yeah, very good point. O'Mara says, five and six after tomorrow, we lose to KC, then win out to be 10 and seven, and that's a wild card guaranteed. You heard it here first. Mark that down, Carly. Put it on the ticker. Put it down there on the ticker. Um, and I like this right here. Since we're talking about playoffs, Doug, Doug says there's no reason to say anything else other than just, to, just insert the old. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. <laughs> another game. <laughs> and another one. So – Final thing I wanted to hit on, playoff picture, bang. We're currently in the eighth spot. Guys, it sounds so stupid because it's still somewhat early. You know, there's, what, eight more weeks left, whatever there is. We are sitting at four and six in the eighth seed. We control our destiny. That I never thought we would be able to say that two or three weeks ago, right? And when you look at the Seahawks, tomorrow they are going to be playing the 49ers. We play the Vikings one more time up in Minnesota. Right. So more, more likely than not, the Seahawks will drop to six and five tomorrow. Okay. Let's say we can steal that one away from Minnesota later. That adds another loss in their column. Give us a win. I mean, when you look at it from that perspective, look at the saints, man, that NFC South is just, wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely. Unbelievable.
2: Talk about booty cheeks.
3: Yeah. It's always like that too. Like Tom Brady goes down there for two years, wins the Super Bowl, And it's right back to being booty cheeks.
2: Right back Why do you think he went down there,
3: hey, dude? I'm telling you. I, listen, <laughs> listen to me. You, you're preaching to the choir here, Terry. I was like, this dude went down and joined one of the most dynamic offenses in the league with with uh, Godwin, right? Um, oh. Evans. You had, I mean, it was like across the board. They had two great tight ends at the time. Oh, by the way, you bring in Bronk, uh, Bring in Gronk. Like. And it's a weak division, and everybody's like, whoa, look at the GOAT. Like, was he cherry-picked that. Are you kidding me? Yep. He cherry-picked that situation. But he is the GOAT. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating. He is the GOAT. There's no two ways about it. So, with that being said, parting thoughts, Tim. And I, I am going to do a pregame show in the morning. I don't think you're available, right?
2: Uh t- No, I'll be hitting the road bright cool. and early. So Totally cool, man. <laughs> I'll be Um, listening, though. Give me a shout-out.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I will, man. Hit me me with a super chat, Tim, while you're out (laughs) there. I'll have the list
2: to do that while I'm driving.
3: The plan is to go live. If everything goes as planned, I'm going to go live at 10 Central tomorrow, okay? Um, So that'll be uh, obviously 11 Eastern. That'll run us up to 30 minutes before game time. Again, I'm going to be with family all day, so I won't be able to do a post-game show immediately following the game, but there's a good chance I'll do one after the game. So guys just kind of be on the lookout for that. And please, please, please forgive me. If none of this happens, you know how it is on Thanksgiving morning, you wake up and you got 500 things to do. Um, So uh, yeah, that, like I said, we're going to try our best, but we appreciate everybody hanging out with us for sure. Um, But yeah, Tim, anything you want to add, man?
2: Um, Just real quick um, uh, parting words. Grateful for uh, the opportunity to talk ball with you here, Clayton. Thank you for bringing me in. I'm thankful for that. I uh, hope everyone has a safe um, holiday. Uh, if you're out there traveling, be safe. Uh, enjoy your time with your family and your friends. Be grateful for every minute, every breath, every moment is a blessing, guys. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there.
3: Yeah, completely agree, man. Chris in, in the in the chat with the super chat. Thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate it. He said, Lions fans are booty cheeks. Pretty straightforward there. There's your Thanksgiving message. And then, of course, the super chat from United Bates says, Kylie Kelsey over taylor swift who is kylie Ke- oh is that jason that's jason kelsey's wife i bet she we're just a-
2: listing off things i don't care about if, bam if, like rapid fire
3: <laughs> that is her name um and you haven't got a chance to check it out there was a documentary kind of following the kelseys and uh jason kelsey's wife is awesome it's it's really cool that i i like that family i really do i like travis too but the taylor swift i, I get
2: up. it i i think so too i just don't get the obsession you know, right. I don't get people get obsessed with this stuff It, you know, I don't know. Does it affect the game? Maybe now you, you'll get my attention. If we can provide some uh, statistical evidence and uh, something that doesn't belong in Jacob's conspiracy corner, um, I might have a little more
3: interest in it. Don't you make me hit that music out here. Yeah, I've been, I've been itching to hit that video now, nah, but thank you so much. United Bates. We appreciate you and Chris in uh, my cabring. Thank you for the super chat buddy, Josh Martin. Uh, United Bates with another one. Mike Hebring, obviously been a member now for two months. Appreciate you, pal. Um, And Josh Martin with a a super chat before that. You guys are absolutely awesome. I just want to say how thankful I am for each and and every one of you uh, hanging out with us like you always do. Um, It's been an awesome year and a half, two years now, going on two years, I guess. Um, When I started doing the podcast, I didn't expect it to last this long. I I just thought, what the hell, let's give it a shot, right? But I'm telling you, man, I, I don't think, I think things happen for a reason. And the people that we've met here in the chat, the people that text me constantly um, at 865-658-5824, um, just communicating and hey man, what'd you think about this? Hey, did you see that? This is what football's all about. And it sounds so cliche and cheesy and corny when they say football's family. But how cool is it that you've got so many different people from all different walks of life, different political backgrounds. I guarantee you, you could take, you could take 10 people out of this chat and put them in a political conversation. They would hate each other in 10 minutes. I guarantee you they think differently, but football brings us together. Right. Um, Same thing, you know, everything, you know, finances to religion, to whatever, everyone's welcome in here. And it's just so cool that you can find a group of people where you can just hang out, talk ball and everybody get along. That's the community we envision on uh, creating, and I'm just glad to uh, glad to be a small part of this so really appreciate all of y'all hope y'all have an awesome happy Thanksgiving again gonna try to see you guys tomorrow if not please forgive me for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world happy Thanksgiving and go back up the power sweep
2: actually it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense
3: tackle? If he's over him, if he's not, he drives down the first man who is inside. You pull back and get him take the first man outside the No one shows. go right by him and feel this right. If the YN has the linebacker taken out,
2: he cuts inside. the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around.
3: If you look at this play where we'll we're trying to get a seal here and a seal here and
1: try to run this play in the alley.